<laughs> the the entry into New York or when he merges out, like the d- fading away or fading in? Fading in. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Welcome to the Super Mario Brothers Minute. This is the show where we watch the Super Mario Brothers movie minute by minute. I'm Emily. Emily. I'm Andrew Andrew. Today we watch Minute 90, 90 times, uh, and we, once again, much like our last episode, are joined by a very special guest. Please welcome Steven Steven from the Super Mario Brothers, and I can't talk. Andrew, you need to take over now. The Super Mario Brothers uh, Archive, smbmovie.com. Yeah. Glad to have you back. Hi, Steven. Great to be back. Thanks for having me again. Um, This, of course, was a challenge minute, which means we did watch, and because it's a, you know, ends in a zero, we watched the rest of the movie after watching the minute. Yeah. Uh, the the fun thing about this version of the challenge minute is that it gets shorter yeah. as the movie goes on. It does because there's less movie remaining. Yeah, I still remember the days when we were recording and I presented this as an idea of a challenge minute to you. Yeah, and you said no, that's insane. We could never do that. We could and, never and do now that. Now it's a, sl- a a light breeze in the park. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, but yeah, as as I'm saying, there wasn't much to go over after this minute was done just 14 minutes yeah uh they're good minutes they're great minutes this is where all the action ratchets up they're good minutes brent (laughs) hashtag memes this is good stuff um did we have that's it that's the challenge yeah that was the challenge okay so this we get a we get a it's a luigi heavy minute yes um there's a lot of dialogue too in this minute yeah i feel like i was as i was taking my notes i was really scrambling to get as much information as i could scrambling yeah Uh, i haven't had a page this full in a long time (laughs) that's just a real i thought there was gonna be a punchline there but then there wasn't no i haven't had a page this full since and then punchline sliced bread sure that's how that saying works right i'm gonna think of a punchline before the end of the episode so check back in with me before before we trust the fungus check back in with me (laughs) okay i hope you remember this uh, so Luigi is, he, he repeats, don't look down. Mm-hmm. That's how this minute starts. Yes. We're in the meteorite chamber, um, which is where Luigi is helping the um, the Brooklyn girls get back uh, to Brooklyn. Yes. Um, and they're also, Daisy uh, wants to stop Lena from doing the merge. Yeah. Uh, Lena is still, you can see her in the background uh, and then and then when her parts come up. Daisy, but once she, again, consistently the only one with her eye on the prize as to actually stopping what is happening. Yeah. Mario and Luigi are like a cleanup crew. Yeah, <laughs> they're they are plumbers. They're uh, what was the name of that comic? Wow, that really <laughs> you stopped you the podcast the dead. What they uh, clean up after Batman? They, well, they oh that one. Yeah, I think you meant the one where they clean up after Iron Man. Oh sure, whatever. It's all it's all comics. Yeah, because that was referenced in um, Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. That was. Uh, you don't have an answer for me. It seems like you're giving me no, more information I'm, as a stalling tactic. I'm trying to think of what uh, uh, Stephen. Steven, I don't know this if this is not a Mario-related question, but do you know what the hell we're talking about? No, no idea. Okay. What are they called? Um, I don't think we're going to find this. Well, because they did the I TV show I, with Danny Pudi. I don't think it's worth dwelling on. That was the. That was the. Um, no, Danny Pudi was doing a wholly different. It was a different community alum, I think, that did the the show about the cleanup crew. Are you? Am I crazy? Danny Pudi did the one where he was like a supernatural detective. That one never got to air. Correct. No, but I thought he showed up in the Batman one oh, that you're he? talking I about. I don't know. Yeah. The, None they of us have answers to this. Well, that show got canceled. I don't even remember Straight that show making the, it to air. I, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's All right. talk about Mario. <laughs> Let's talk about Mario. It's not often that we get off track this fast. Um, and it was my fault. So sorry, folks. 
So there's a lot of dialogue going on, but the the important thing that Luigi says here, uh, as as each uh, woman takes the leap through this solid wall, uh, is uh, you've got to get through and tell everybody. Uh, tell them about the invasion and the Goombas. Now, this is an interesting line. Yeah, it really is. Because every time I listen to it, it changed from tell them about the invasion and the Goombas and tell them about the invasion of the Goombas. Uh, you're, I'm right there with you. Steven, do you have an idea of which one is the canonical line in the film? I'm going to say of. Interesting. That one makes more sense. It really does. I kind of like tell them about the invasion and the Goombas because I like that Luigi, like in his mind, he's like, "Oh, make sure they know about the Goombas, though." <laughs> make sure they know what's invading. Yeah. yeah. Well, make sure. I, I I think like he sees like the invasion is the relevant necessary information, but also he would prefer it if if knowledge of the Goombas got out. I, I like that as just a little personal add-on. But invasion of the Goombas does make more sense. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think in my mind. I can't think of a specific scene where. Luigi would have gotten the information about the invasion. Daisy probably caught him up. I mean, what would she have? She would have just known perhaps what Koopa would have said. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just, I'm, I, I just, um, it's always my dream that there is some, a little bit of something on the cutting room floor Mm -hmm. that was Luigi checking a computer somewhere and it said (laughs) invasion plans. Yeah. Like we can, like he takes glasses out of his pocket and we like see the, we see them flashing on, we see the reflection on the glasses of the invasion plans. Yeah. Like that one scene in 89 Batman, which has come up twice today. Yeah. We talk a lot about Batman. Yeah. That's what, that's. Of the same time, that would be a great cutscene to see. Um, so, and then the the um, the women are jumping through here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully, not to their deaths. Yeah, I see. Well, we see them at the end. We do. Uh, Angelica, I believe, jumps first, which is funny to me. Classic Angelica. She is like the brash one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the uh, uh, another woman jumps, and then the smoker jumps. She's still smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Much st- like Cheech and Chong, still <laughs> she's still smoking. Was that the name of a Cheech and Chong's sequel? Yeah, I believe it was. Wow. Uh, and then, before Daniela goes through, mm-hmm. she says, "Good luck, Luigi." Mm-hmm. Now, every time I heard this, the way that she says this line has, to me, a video game Toad esque quality to it. Okay. And I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> right now sure. but just hearing but it perhaps in another life you will <laughs> yeah there's like a squeakiness to it mm. that you get from like wow like the way that interesting good like luigi like it's a there's a real squeaky quality to it that if you've ever played a mario party that's the sound that toad makes interesting yeah i thought that was fun okay i, I don't think it was on purpose or anything <laughs> i think it's just i'm always looking for mario clues yeah mario connections um. Oh God! Oh, it's incredible. I for some reason I wrote down it's incredible and I read it and it didn't make any sense to me for a second. Well, that's Lena's line. That is Lena's line. And what I really like about it is the sort of tone and the cadence of her saying it's incredible. To me, was very much evocative of Palpatine saying unlimited power. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I in was a, getting that vibe from it. In episode three. Um, and she manages to force the rock into place. Yes. Uh, uh, we had seen her struggling with it. Uh, Emily, as you described in a past episode, kind of like how you'd struggle with two magnets of the same polar mm-hmm. polarization. Yes. Uh, it's like an invisible. Well, that's how I imagined it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you just I'm using your description. Yes, I'm I'm admitting to everyone that I didn't come up with okay. that. You did, uh, and she manages to force it into place, uh, and and uh, but then the, it's like she receives feedback. Mm. Is almost the way that I interpret this. Yeah. Um, uh, Stephen, Ed, do you, do you have any insights on on what that's wh- what is she representing there? In what sense? In in like uh, the. So it's like the power that uh, that over like, I mean, it overpowers her. Is that coming from just kind of like the the meteorite itself? The meteorite senses the genes don't match. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it comes down to genetics. The, the idea is that Daisy is the sole surviving member of the portal guardian cult, uh, which was a group of all female dinosaurs who were mutated by the meteorite in the same way that um, the monolith in 2001, a space odyssey kind of uplifted apes. Um, And they kind of became the guardians of the the meteorite itself and the gateway. And to induct uh, new dinosaurs into the cult, they would incubate them within those metallic egg pods that mm. you see in the very beginning of the film that Daisy's own egg comes out of. So when they put the, the pendant into it, it incubated Daisy with that meteorite's particular radiation, changing her genetics so that she is capable of wielding it. Um, Lena is like a usurper of, her, of Daisy's traditional role since she's not really royalty, since she's not really a member of this religious order, she's not allowed that power and it comes back and bites her. Whereas Daisy is the only one who is capable of it and that's what she ends up saying in the very next line. I'm the only one who can withstand the force. Yeah, that's really... That is a lot of stuff that was that did not show in the final version of the film. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I really enjoy and, that that the yeah. the rock being placed in the incubator it's kind of like she's the only one that can use the rock and the rock is kind of like bonded to her yeah like a lightsaber mm-hmm. crystal in some versions of Star Wars canon but not all of them <laughs> I, I think yeah. that's and yeah go ahead um, well since they don't really explicitly say any of that background they never say that Daisy's mother is a portal guardian let alone that Daisy herself is one. A lot of that gets muddled in the fact that it's Lena who ends up merging the dimensions. The fact that she does accomplish doing it, even if she personally doesn't survive, um, undermines Daisy's particular arc. Hmm. In all of the scripts, it's always Daisy who initiates the final act. Um, there were some versions where Koopa is struggling to force it in, but he can't do it. But in the later drafts, you have Koopa in the meteorite chamber with Daisy and Luigi. And Koopa tells Lena, go ahead, merge the dimension, show me what you can do. So Lena attempts to do it herself. She gets fried, but the process doesn't work. And Koopa turns to Daisy and says, okay, if you want to do it yourself, go ahead. Otherwise, I'm going to force Luigi to do it next. Oh. So Daisy ends up saying, 
okay, I will do it to save Luigi's life. I'm going to become your queen. I'll do what I'm destined to do. And she ends up kind of triggering the merge. But at the last minute, she ends up, like, snapping it in half. So she has this whole moment where she ends up saving Luigi and tricking slash betraying Koopa. Mm. And they took most of that away from her by giving it to Lena. And I don't know, maybe Fiona Shaw lobbied for more focus in that scene. And she ended up getting in that particular moment. Or maybe they just wanted to streamline it. But for whatever reason, it doesn't do well for Daisy's particular arc. Hmm. I don't, I don't know about that, actually. I think, I mean, the heart doesn't make a ton of sense, but I do kind of like it better in the final version where she's doing it to save, to, to be a good queen, essentially, to, to save people instead of just be, to save Luigi. I, that's, I mean, it, it definitely could have been realized a lot better, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think, I, I think aspects of that work better for me in the final version, but... I, I've also a little clumsy for sure. Yeah, I I think it's in that same way. It is very clumsy, but I've also really enjoyed uh, the way that Lena is. She forces ahead with her plan, no matter what, and she does mm-hmm. succeed. But it's at such a great cost to herself. Yeah, uh, she does fulfill what whatever prophecy she believes she's fulfilling, and it does you know begin the merge, and yet she must die to complete it. Yeah, it is it is too powerful for her. I've I've always kind of enjoyed that. You know, at such great it, cost. It does make me enjoy Lena as a very, I think, sympathetic, except for the part where she stabbed my son. Uh, <laughs> tragic hero, where she sort of dies trying to do this thing that has been denied her. Yeah, that's that's really mm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow, that's really something that she, David, would have done it to save um, Luigi. To save Luigi. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah, um, they had a lot of the scenes orchestrated within that meteorite chamber the, the walkway that koopa and mario are battling upon was supposed to be above the meteorite chamber in this massive power plant like industrial complex oh. so they're like all on different levels of the meteorite chamber when the merge finally happens and that's how they end up on the brooklyn bridge it was supposed to be like this literally massive power plant that would have been so big they had a walkway that would correspond with the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, that Bridge. makes sense because where the dig site is is right below the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> yeah, and then and even the same with um, it makes sense of them dropping the rock and Lena gets it and is able to go right to the yeah. meteorite chamber because it's right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, they're all we're all supposed to be like literally in that same room, but everyone was being directed on different units, so. Mm. They had to find a different through line. Wow. Interesting. Um, also, I mean, we've talked before about how not family friendly this supposed family film is, and with all the horniness and what whatnot. Um, but that, like, the like, you know, the killing Lena then threatening to kill Luigi, it does feel a little dark for a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Which again, I guess at this point, like, the movie's already super horny. Like, <laughs> and it's super dark. I mean, she Lena turns into a skeleton that we see. Yeah, but I mean, but then Luigi is not threatened to be turned into a skeleton. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, 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 to get back to where we were in the minute here, the Lena does force the rock into place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, kind of, her reaction to this, the choices that Fiona Shaw makes yeah. in the next couple of moments here are very strong There's choices. There's a lot of strong choices going on at this minute. Uh, 
I described it as she kind of makes like a fish face. Yeah. Uh, it's and and then I thought of a better description. It's like when a cartoon character drinks poison. Sure. That's the reaction that she's giving. Yeah. Is a very strong kind of head back, kind of like uh, uh, lowering her all of her facial features as much as she can. Uh, and then they uh, they kind of do this overlay of a skeleton on the actress. Yes. <laughs> uh, which I guess is to imply the electrical current, right? Yeah, that's a yeah. classic visual signifier. Yeah. Because uh, then she gets thrown back back into the wall, and she is just a skeleton. Skeleton sort of imprinted upon the wall. Yeah, with earrings. With earrings. The, her earrings have survived the blast. And on fire. Yeah, and her her hair makes part of the pattern as well. Yes. Uh, uh, well, again, I think supporting my theory, and in the last episode confirmed Stevens as well, the idea that they are sort of dinosaur ridges mm. because they have the hair has bones in them. That's now you've taken it a step further. Fiona Shaw's character, I my brain wouldn't want to say the word Lena just then. Mm. Lena's hair has bones. That's confirmed by her skeleton on the wall. <laughs> Steven, do you agree? Um <laughs> She she was supposed to have spinal ridges for that mud bath scene. Whoa. And they never applied it, but the makeup artist, he still has it in like a plastic baggie. So, has it ever come up? Um, her character's supposed to be a pterodactyl, like a pterosaur. <gasps> oh, so I love that. I like that a lot. Those, because I know there's a few dresses where it has like a, it shows her back, her backside. Yeah. So it would have had scaly ridges going down her spine. Oh my god, I love that. That's a good look. That's really cool. Yeah. I wish that would have made it. Stephen, mm, you did yeah. not answer my question, though. Do you think her hair has bones? <laughs> no. Damn it. All right, back one for me again. <laughs> um, and it, what? It, now, I don't know. Why do the earrings survive? Maybe they're ivory. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, that's really. I'm also curious about how her bones are on fire. Bone is typically not a combustible material. Yeah, I don't. Maybe the wall is on fire. <laughs> Just this sheer force of her. And then kind of the, the I mean, if you want to call it fun, I don't know. The fun thing about the way that she is presented here on the wall is that she is like a fossil. Yes. She's become mm-hmm. instantly fossilized yeah. as part of this chamber, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah, earlier exactly in the film. It. Yeah. Earlier in the film, Daisy uh, was showing off some fossils to Luigi. It's as if a dinosaur is trying to become human. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of a fun. I think it's a fun callback. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and those that fossil prop itself of Lena still exists to this day. Um, it's on display at a bar called the Barbary Coast in Wilmington, North Carolina, where they shot the film. Oh wow, that's pretty great. We got to make a pilgrimage to that bar. Now, oh, I meant to look this up, um, Stephen. Maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. I I feel like uh, I had the trading cards uh, mm-hmm. when I was a child. And I think this image was on one of the trading cards and it had a funny name for it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like what they called this fossil. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, Stephen? Um, yeah, I can actually look that up real quick because <laughs> I look up that kind of thing all the time. Oh, wait. Man, they, yeah. yeah, there was, uh, what was it, Tops? 
right? Topps is a trading I, card I company. I looked to Emily for I help. I can confirm that Topps is a trading card company. I believe they were the you need me to confirm. They were the ones who um, who put out the trading cards. And uh, the fun thing, I mean, from what I remember of trading cards, like as a child, is the the idea that a lot of the images that were on the cards didn't always make it into the film. Yeah. Because uh, it was it was all promotional stuff, so they were just putting out whatever they had. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I, I even remember a couple that I had from the Batman 89 film uh, featuring scenes that I don't think were ever in the movie. It's just kind of that fun little thing where you can get some extra information yeah. uh, uh, from a promotional item. In the pre-internet age, that was a great way for bonus information like that. Yeah. But also it was able to uh, uh, sow a lot of rumors and speculation. Mm. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. Like I think uh, some of the information about the... Um, the uh, what was her name? Bob and Doug, not Bob and Doug. Bob and Doug McKenzie. No, the <laughs> Doug and Stan. <laughs> I, you're making a reference to a thing that I never watched. That was a Great White North theme song. Um, it was the the two plumbers that fought uh yeah, Mario the, and Luigi. The, the that the worked Scapelli, for Scapelli. Scapelli brothers. Yeah, I think their information was revealed on a trading card as well. I think I've seen that trading card mm. probably on the SMB movie Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, Doug and Mike. Doug yeah. and Mike. That's, yeah. I love that so much. I love that there was like Scapelli version, Scapelli enemies for yeah. Mario and Luigi. That's a Sca- lot of fun. Scapenemies? Scapenemies. Yeah. Is that what you just said to me? Yes. Did you just say Scapenemies to I me? I did, as a matter of fact. Like Scapelli enemies. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> Steven, do we have any updates on the Lena trading, the Lena Fossil trading card? Um, they, they don't, there is no trading card depicting her in fossilized form. Hmm. So, you're, so Andrew, you've been called out as a liar? I, uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm thinking of this huh. from. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, so then now Luigi and Daisy react to this. Yes. Let's da- talk about this because I'm excited. Daisy says, yikes. yikes. <laughs> Which is probably how um, I'd react. Yeah. A, a, a sort of stunned yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Luigi, he decides this is time to try a one-liner. <laughs> yeah. He says, man, she sure makes an impression. Yeah. And then we cut back to the skeleton and the jaw drops. Yes. As if the skeleton is so shocked <laughs> at this one-liner. She burnt. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Still on fire, burnt. Um, I think, I mean, for me... Uh, I don't know if, if if you have any thoughts on this, Stephen. For me, that really is where it's telling that this movie uh, had a lot of you know had a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a I lot kinda, of people working on it. I kind of like it, and I will get to why in a second. But uh, first, yeah, Stephen, do you have any? Uh, what was Andrew's question? The, I mean, just the idea that there were so many writers or different people throwing ideas at this, mm-hmm. where a comedy line like that would would play out in this scene that that doesn't feel the need for <laughs> yeah. it necessarily. Was that yeah, there's d- a definite tonal clash there, and I think part of that probably stems from the fact that um, Lena's death is not in the you know like a Disney death. They mm. very much show it happening, <laughs> so it could be very uh, triggering for children. And I feel like they probably added that that one liner there to instill some levity but it didn't really succeed because they shouldn't have made that kind of death scene to begin with. 
Yeah. The other uh, interesting thing that I noticed here is so it cuts to the shot of the jaw dropping on the skeleton. Yeah. And then uh, it it cuts back. And instead of like smiling like Luigi just was, it's still Luigi and Daisy standing next to each other and Daisy's Luigi, talking. Luigi looks horrified. Luigi looks horrified. Well, I'll, I'll have, I've got my little head cannon to explain Luigi jump, emotions jumping around here. Okay. It would be easy to say, oh, this was just different takes and the editor didn't really, either didn't have the resources or didn't care enough to merge them better. Mm. My feeling is, we've talked before about how Luigi is a child. Luigi's a child, yeah. Luigi is a child. Um... So I think, Luigi, uh, this is a sort of uh, a moment that, that perhaps requires a little bit more uh, maturity than Luigi is used to. He was not expecting to be confronted with this gruesome death. So he sort of, in his childlike way of, of, of trying to cope, made this joke to like sort of make it okay. And then when Daisy did not react to it, he's like, oh no, the correct thing is to be horrified right now. And sort of self-corrected himself into the horrified look. I mean, that's a good explanation. Yeah. That's as good as any. That's probably me. But then Daisy says, that's what Koopa meant. Only I can withstand the Force. Yes. So now it's a Star Wars film. It's now a Star Wars film. Because she said the Force. This film exists in the Star Wars universe, I choose to believe. How, what more connection do you see (laughs) between the two? Well, we've talked before, and we'll talk again because there's a few shots in the upcoming minutes that are just really fucking Star Warsy. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I guess the catwalk in this has rails, so that's my theory. That that blows my theory out of there. This, this is definitely not in the Star Wars universe because the catwalk has rails, which is that's not a Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. This is true. So I rescind my theory. All right, good. I've been disproven. Um, so then Daisy says, "Come on," to Luigi, mm-hmm. and she goes in to retrieve the rock yes from where it has been added to the rest of the meteor uh and she's able to go in but luigi is not yeah uh it's it's as if luigi is held back by a force field yes um and he kind of the way that he acts this out is um not quite like a mime in a box (laughs) (laughs) it's it's more like he splats on a windshield yeah is really i'd agree with that how he goes there um Steven, is there anything in the uh, the scripts about this like force field element? Um, I think the best way to explain it is that in the scripts there was supposed to be sort of a seismic uh, ripple effect where um, the dimensions would begin merging at that point outward, so it wouldn't be the entire planet instantaneously. Um, so by the time like Mario finally defeats Koopa and they get back to uh, Dino Hat and the rippling has only extended as far as like Brooklyn itself. So most of New York isn't even affected by the full merge. Um, and just that blue energy you see is what little they could afford in the budget. <laughs> yeah. I And uh Daisy says, um, she's trying to get the rock out. She says, it's jammed in. I can't get it. Luigi, we have to stop it. We have to get it out. Uh, and then she says, uh, Luigi, grab onto me uh, because she's mm-hmm. trying to get him into the, into this force field. And, uh, fr- from what I can tell, that actually seems to help. Once she connects to Luigi by, by touch, he's able mm-hmm. to come through and join her a, a, on the other side of that, uh, kind of meteorite force field. Yeah. I, I think that's a good touch. Yeah. 
um, mm. that that's that's kind of the the triggering for Daisy can it allow just sort of people makes in. Makes a sense, even if not a lot of that stuff has been explain, explained Ex- on. <laughs> I'm very tired, and I'm sorry. Explained <laughs> is what you were gonna say. I mean, it's what I did say. If, mm. Even if not a lot of it has been explained on screen. Yeah. Um. Now imagine this scene without any of that blue visual effects mm-hmm. with John Leguizamo <laughs> doing that splatter reaction without anything to react to. Um, and that could have been in the final cut because oh, wow. we have a memo that straight up says, Hey, um, this scene looks a little cheesy. Is there any way we can afford to add some like blue lightning effects? Oh, wow. So, it, that was a very late minute edition. <laughs> oh my gosh, so it was almost just that. And oh. then even imagine the, uh, I think that would even apply to like some of the blue that we see emanating off of the meteorite itself. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that makes that meteorite chamber so interesting is yeah. all the sparks that are flying everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they specify that too. That's crazy. Interesting. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so then now uh, 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 we're done with the meteorite chamber. Yes. The minute cuts to um, Koopa uh, is coming over to get the rock from Mario. Mm-hmm. Is Koopa humming? No. I could have sworn I heard like Koopa like humming. Humming what? I don't know. Like he's got a little happy hum that he does when he's about to succeed. Maybe somewhere in the background of the mix to imply that the Goomba shit was popping off. They layered in a little. Da, 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 yeah, I couldn't even tell what I would think he was humming. But it was just like. <laughs> the gas hissing from his flamethrower oh, that's a good that theory. could be it i guess yeah i don't know what i was hearing because it Maybe didn't were you humming when you watch this minute <laughs> you know, sometimes i just hum <laughs> yeah. no uh i i don't know what i was hearing but i was hearing something uh but that that's that's good the gas from the little flamethrower thing because so koopa's coming up and he's still pointing you know the the fry guy flamethrower yes at mario as he's approaching Mario is holding the string further and further away, mm-hmm. so Koopa has to get really close. And Mario just moves the rock, you know, the fake rock, his yeah. the shoestring, out of Koopa's reach, just far enough so that the gun is close to Mario. That he can do a great prank on yeah. Koopa. <laughs> he blows out the pilot light. Yeah. Um, and Koopa makes a great reaction noise. Yeah, he goes, uh. He's like, oh. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, but the funny thing I thought with the way this is shown in the film, we actually see the pilot light go out twice. Yeah. They do like a like a, a, a double take on it mm-hmm. where we see Mario blow it out and it does go out all the way. And then there's a close up on it yes. where it gets blown out. Mm-hmm. So we see it twice to make sure we understand that that's light is out and he cannot shoot at Mario right now. Yes. And then he just the minute ends with uh, Koopa like frantically clicking the gun to try and get the light to come back on i guess yeah it's kind of like a uh you ever use one of those what do they call them kitchen lighters the long handled things mm-hmm. emily is now gesturing to one of those style of lighters yes in the room for candles yes yeah it's a lighter but it's long you know what i'm talking about it's a long lighter yeah sometimes you got to click them a little bit before they come on ah, as i just was. demonstrated that was just a little fun in the room didn't even pick up on the mics probably demonstration probably. of a lighter clicking yep uh, and that kind of closes out the minute. Uh, Steven, do you have any other thoughts on this minute? Um, pretty good minute. Solid minute. Uh, one of my favorites. Definitely. This is, yeah, this is a really good minute. It's got a nice contained little arc in it too, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Koopa, I feel like it feels like a nice, even like the Mario and Koopa thing feels like this kind of contained 10 minute story of 
Mario reeling Koopa in just to blow out the pilot light. <laughs> we, 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 we see the whole beat there, you know? Yeah, that's really good. Um, so you can find out more about this show at benvnetwork.com slash SMBM. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Mario Bros Minute, or uh, email us. For some reason, my brain stopped, and I thought you were saying, you can follow us on Twitter, Mario. <laughs> no, no, no. You can follow us on Twitter at, I didn't say the ad, I think that's what confused you, yeah. at Mario Bros Minute. I yeah. think that's, if you're on Twitter, you know that's got to go there. Yeah. And uh, email us, supermariobrosminute at gmail.com. Um, We've got two emails that we'll discuss next episode, I guess. Do we? Yeah, the ones that we received during the last episode, remember? I thought we kind of discussed them already. Oh. All right. Uh, and then you can uh, 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 go uh, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash SMBM. Uh, you'll get access to bonus episodes on the bonus feed, which include uh, us talking about the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, the Legend of Zelda cartoon, uh, and some pre-show elements from, from every episode. Uh, and... You could find my other podcast, uh, Nothing New, a remake podcast. Uh, every month, uh, Justin Kizan and I talk about remakes. Uh, so we pick a specific one uh, and the original that it is more or less based on. And we talk about that. Our most recent episode is about A Wrinkle in Time, uh, which was on the Wonderful World of Disney ABC television movie uh, back in 2003. And they just made a new one. Uh, the new one's really good. Check that out. Uh, listen to our podcast, please. Uh, no, uh, com slash nothing new. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cool Emily. You can check out the other podcast I do with Justin Keyson called Benview on Spielbeard. It's where we talk about the films, the films of Steven Spielbeard. Um, our next episode will be about Ready Player One. It's going to be a real. It's going to. It's going to be audio. Um, write a review of us on Apple Podcast and rate us as well. Um, and also shout out to uh, Dave Bulmer, who uh, a friend of ours on Twitter, who did write a, a, a one-word poo review of us as I instructed. I just didn't see it because uh, that's good it was, stuff. It was a UK-based review. Yeah. Um, was that the tweet also about um, Wellies? Yes. Correcting us on wellies? Well, correcting me, confirming what you said, sort of. Yeah. Um, but also clarifying that only certain boots are called wellies yeah. in England. Um, so yeah, big ups to Dave Ballmer. Be like him and write, give us a five-star rating and a review that's just the word poo. Or Do you have a new one? Uh, I don't. Yeah. That's fine. Steven, do you have any plugs? Yes. Um, you can find out any production history information about the film at our website, the Super Mario Brothers, the movie archive at smbmovie.com. Or you can find our social media on Facebook and Twitter at smbmovie. And we will be having a lot of information in the coming weeks about our 25th anniversary events. So we hope to see everyone involved. We'll be there. Yeah. At the, or the Modesto screening. Yeah, if yeah. you're anywhere near Modesto, come out for that screening. April 28th, right? Yes, yes it is. Yeah. And remember... Trust the fungus. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Nothing new is something new. That great poets imitate and improve... Where our small ones steal and spoil. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Justin. And if it wasn't readily apparent at that, 
We're huge nerds about remakes. That's why we're doing the Nothing New Podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a remake in detail and its original, covering them in whatever order they come out, from Wizard of Oz to It and beyond. They're remaking Stuart Gordon's 1986 sci-fi horror classic from beyond? Oh, no. Not yet. Oh, that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Justin and I, and maybe a guest or two, to explore the wonderful world of remakes, film by film. Remakes have been done forever. People talk about Scarface don't even know that was a remake. Oh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Antoine Fuqua. Growler Media presents A Tale as Old as Time. One Beauty. Is anyone here? One Beast. It's forbidden. One Minute at a Time. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute. The podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast one minute at a time. Search for Beastly Minute to find it and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app. Wow, something is really different. I'm a grower. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.